When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast is all about digging into big questions and tricky topics by honest conversation. This week we're going to be looking at estrangement and I am talking to Harriet Shearsmith who is a mum of three and has been in the trenches of parenting this week. If I think there's always weeks for <laughs> When are we not in the trenches? I think when you're as far in as we are, you're just like, ah, oh, yeah, it's nice when it was an okay week. Um, you have been, you do a lot of stuff. You are author of Mumming It, and you've recently got your own cast, podcast called Unfollowing Mum, which I've been listening to. How are you finding the experience of podcasting? I'm really enjoying it, actually. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me on. Um, I am. I'm really enjoying it. I'm finding it really, finding it really cathartic because it's all about that kind of. Uh, toxic experience with a parent, that dysfunctional family relationship, whether you are estranged or you're in the kind of processes of coming to terms with realising that maybe your upbringing actually wasn't what it should have been, or maybe your relationship with a parent isn't where you want it to be or what you hope it would be, wherever you're at. So it's really interesting speaking to different people about it. And I've spoken to therapists, psychotherapists, people who've been estranged, have lived experiences, and just hearing so many different ways in which this unspoken about thing plays out because it's so common. And I'm just hoping that I can, it can do some good and that anybody who is going through it isn't going to feel as lonely as I did when it was the beginning of it all because that's isn't that how the best of these things starts I think that's how we ended up starting uh, doing our Instagrams and things isn't it because we were lonely and it felt like no one was talking about the harder stuff with motherhood and the the maybe not the rosy hashtag blessed side of things and then that's that's how these things are often born through a desire to create community and that's what's happening with unfollowing mum and it feels really good it feels really good to put that out there Oh, I bet. And in fact, in researching this, I think it's one in five people or families will have an estrangement within it. So that is extremely common, isn't it? Yes, extremely so common. common. Yeah. But we don't talk about it, especially when it's an estrangement from our own parent. Mm. Because be, why do you think that is? I think there's a lot of stigma around it. You know, we have a societal view that we owe our parents everything. And I think if we unpack that, realistically, do we ever owe somebody for the choice that they've made to have us and then for loving us? Are we ever in debt for loving some, for, for being loved, for just existing? Of course we're not. But we, we have this idea that the parent or the elder of the family is somehow this all-powerful being, this being that we owe, this person that we have to be grateful to that has perhaps sacrificed, which I think is an interesting term that's used so common, I sacrificed for you it's it's really stigmatized and people also don't like it when there's somebody who will step out of that and go actually I don't feel that way about a parent actually I don't have a good relationship with you and be the person that breaks the cycle and makes changes it's very threatening because it makes you start to look at your own experiences and go oh oh maybe that's not as good as I thought it was and that that challenges people's perception of the family unit I'm interested, I think, to because I think for me that the, the word estranged feels like quite a full stop moment. You know, you can say, oh, I've got, you know, my relationship isn't that good or, or yeah, I wish it was better. But 
and I, I think it's probably I'm projecting, but also a bit of a therapeutic moment when you go, actually, this is where we're at. What led you to the point where you would say, I am, well, first of all, are you estranged from both parents from just from one? So for me, I'm estranged from my mum. Uh, my dad, my dad's dead, but I was estranged from him or rather low contact with him for the majority of my life I didn't have a good relationship with him he left us when I was four there was a lot of parental alienation that I now see as an adult looking back and remembering things from my mum towards my dad I think she really damaged what could have been that relationship but equally he was very neglectful He, he was very typical of that dad who's uh gone off got himself a new family and meh not really that bothered that stereotype and I think he he played into that. So I didn't have a positive relationship with him before he passed away. And he passed away when I was 16. Um, but it is my mum who I've chosen actively as an adult to cut ties with. And what led to it really, and what I think leads to a lot of estrangements, even if it is a low contact situation where you're not fully estranged from somebody, but you have chosen to become lower contact, you perhaps only speak once or twice a year, or you speak upon specific laid out terms that fit within your boundaries, is a lack of accountability for behavior that is just boundary crossing and totally disrespectful that dehumanizes you as a as a, a another adult. It's a, a lack of respecting your boundaries. For me, my relationship with my mum was incredibly toxic. We had what uh, I now can see and can rationalise as a very engulfing relationship. She did not see me as an adult. She didn't see me as an equal. She didn't see me as another human being, really. And that's very common when you deal with narcissistic people, which... I'm always keen to say I'm not a therapist. I've never claimed to be a therapist, but what I have learned and researched about narcissism and about um, toxic people, my mum would fit very neatly. And my own therapist and myself have discussed this many a time, very neatly into the covert narcissist role for a mother. Um, and that's that's how I view our relationship. And when I would speak to her and say to her, look, mum, you can't speak to me like that. Mum, you can't leave me angry phone messages because I I haven't called you to tell you why I'm not at the house at 11pm at night. I'm an adult. I can do my own thing. Mum, you can't demand that I pay for this or you can't demand that I cook you dinner every night. I'm bending over backwards to be a good daughter. I, I can't tolerate this anymore. This is unacceptable. This is crossing every boundary that I've never really been able to place with you. You've got to stop. And she couldn't. And that's what leads to an estrangement. It's that lack of being able to look at yourself and say, okay, our relationship is damaged. There is a real toxicity here. What's causing it? What role am I playing in it? Because I've always said, when you are in an emotionally abusive relationship, there is reactive abuse. There is that pushback from yourself that's not necessarily healthy. You learn to forsake yourself. You learn to become in some ways toxic in your own behavior and we would bounce back and forth off each other like horrendously and it got to the point where I just could not cope with it anymore she could not take accountability for it or change her behavior so the only option really was to say that's it this is done and and when that happened I hadn't intended to become estranged from my mum my mum was actually living with us in an annex that we'd built there on our property and I'd had to go to her and say look this has come to the point where we can't even be in the same room with each other without the nastiness without me feeling like I just want to cry after you've left the room you're coming over every night demanding that I cook you dinner and just this is an awful situation the best thing for us to do is for you to move out and we'll make sure you're set up with a home, that you've got, you know, your own place. Everything would be as if we had just gone off and bought our own property. Because we we bought my childhood home. I'd never I've never actually moved out of my childhood home. Wow. Yeah. I never moved out because I felt like I was always taught that you don't leave the parent, that in doing that you are abandoning and that you are betraying the parent, if you like. So I, I never 
I never moved out and I'd been paying all the bills and doing all of the, the financial side of things for a significant period of time. And then it came to buying the property and we'd said, okay, we'll, we'll buy this property and we'll build you an annex with what you uh, will buy it for a slightly reduced price and put the money back into building an annex, which is what we did. So when it came to asking her to leave, I'd said, you know, okay, how about we make sure that you would be in the same position you would be in if you sold the house to a complete stranger and we'll just go from there. Let's just go from there. And she'd said, no, absolutely not. I will continue to live here. You will continue to do everything that we agreed when you bought the house, which is to feed me dinner every night, to buy me a new car. I will have, um, I'll keep one of your cards so that I can buy myself things whenever I want. And that's that's how things will go because you agreed that. And I'd say, but mum, it's not working. We're all desperately unhappy. You refer to this annex that we've built for you, which was custom built. You designed it as a shed. You hate it. So surely this is a good suggestion for everyone. And rather than lose control of me, another adult who should be autonomous, she chose to dig her heels in and go down the route of a really difficult legal battle. Wow. And where are you at with that legal battle? So that legal battle was essentially just getting her to leave our property, which mm, it didn't drag on as long as lots of people um, do find they do because she, she added interest to what she felt was owed. And we said, okay, because the, it was never about the money. It was never about saying, we want to take this off you or we want to harm you in any way. It was a case of what is best for all of us. And so as soon as she moved out, that was done. And that was the end of things. That was the end of the relationship. And there have been a few instances where there have been contact, but for the most part, it's just been a case of that's it. That's it. That's the end of the relationship. She hasn't made any particular attempt to reconcile with me or with my partner with my family it's been and I haven't made any attempt to reconcile with her either that that was quite clear for me that that was done um but it it, it, there's been attempts towards the children in particular because obviously when you are becoming estranged from a parent especially if you're becoming estranged from a toxic parent who is narcissistic or who is emotionally abusive of which the more I unpack in therapy, the more I realize my upbringing was incredibly emotionally abusive. Um, but when you're estranging from a parent who is like that, and it's not just a case of we don't get on or, you know, I don't like them, they don't like me, whatever that might be. But there is a lot of manipulation that involves your children. It then means that your children become estranged from a grandparent as well. So it's a really difficult situation. Yeah, it sounds horrendous. From the research I've done as well, I, I understand that I could appreciate what that is. Like, there must be a kind of grief that comes into the ending of the relationship, even if it's a, a good ending or, or a necessary ending. It must be laden with grief. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is so missed in the estrangement conversation because there is a real grief that you feel because when you're not grieving the, look, people will turn around to you and say, well, what are you grieving for? You chose to end this relationship. How ridiculous. Like, why are you upset? But the reality is what you're grieving for is what that relationship should have been. I don't want to spend Mother's Day without a mum. I don't want my option to be, can you nip to the shop and buy a card for my mum, for my partner, or walking past the Mother's Day cards, knowing that I don't have someone to give that to, because she chose that, and because I had to make that choice to protect me. Nobody wants that. Absolutely nobody wants that. There is a real grief that comes with looking back at your childhood, looking at your adult relationship, and thinking that should have looked the way that we're sold in the movies that should have looked 
how my friends' relationships with their parents look, where they do the head in <laughs> and they're like, Jesus, mum, if you ask me again mm. how to send an email like that, I'm, I'm going to scream. If you ask me how to log into Facebook again, I swear to God, I'll scream. But where there's that banter, there's that relationship, there's that back and forth, there's that mutual respect, there's that mutual appreciation for each other as human beings. When you look at those relationships, and that's what you should have had with your parent, but you don't, it is incredibly sad. And when you do make the decision to protect yourself and to cut ties with a parent or even to go low contact, there is that grief for what it should have been. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to swallow because how can the one person who should have loved you more than anyone else? I look at the way that my husband and I love our children and I can only speak for myself. So looking at how I love my kids I could never treat them the way that my mum treated me I could never do the things that my mum has done to me throughout the 30 years that I had contact with her that should be the one person that's always in your corner that should be the one person who you can turn to in your darkest moments in your most grieving moments and that was the one person who caused my biggest traumas can you and please don't think that I'm trying to find an excuse for her. Can you see it coming through generations, some of her behaviour? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is so much to be said for unaddressed generational trauma. And what we see, especially with estrangement, is that there is quite often a pattern until somebody comes along and says, Do you know what? That doesn't feel good. That makes me feel awful. I'm not going to do that to my kids. Or I'm not going to have kids because I've spent my childhood parenting my parents because they're really just wounded children in Mm. adult bodies. And I have, the more that I progress on my healing journey, I and that sounds so kooky, I always (laughs) used to be like, healing journey. (laughs) But it is true, the more that I progress with learning, and I I find real power in knowledge, not everybody does, but I do find real power in knowledge, in research, in learning about my experiences in understanding the psychology behind narcissism, behind how somebody may react and behave the way that they do. The more that I do that, the more compassion I feel for how she acted, not necessarily forgiveness for how she acted, not necessarily forgiveness for how I was treated as a child, but compassion for what must have led her to be the way that she was to act the way that she was. Compassion for her struggles. Um, Do, does that, that doesn't necessarily mean that again, I forgive them or that I can excuse them, but I can see how those behaviors have been passed down. I can see how she will have grown up thinking that that is the way that things should be. And equally, I think there is something to be said. I am what would be called a millennial. And I've had this conversation on on the podcast myself, that when I look back, and I, I speak to so many people who are of a similar age to me, who fit in that kind of millennial Gen X uh, age group, and would have been raised by boomer parents. And so many of them have had this kind of debt mindset hung over them of everything I did for you, all the things that I gave up for you, everything that you owe me, essentially, for raising you. And I honestly think that looking back generationally, it was not societally acceptable for these people to not have children. Mm -hmm. It was an expectation that the goal in life really was finish school or go through part of school until you got to about 15, get a good job and get married and then have kids, and then you were winning. That that was what your, your trajectory looked like. And now we're all over the place. You know, you can choose to do all manner of things. And yes, there is still some judgment, especially towards women who choose not to have children. But if you look at a generation who were essentially told, mm, no, the goal is to have kids. The expectation is that unless you can't have kids, we have got a significant portion of people who did not necessarily want that, who now have had kids and are pretty damn resentful about it I think that's so interesting I mean it's something I'm aware of I heard on a podcast someone say uh, that generation 
were kind of in the presence of their children but not necessarily parenting um mm. but it's so true and I think look there's a lot of failings in in the where we're at in that the idea that we can do it all and I think it's causing other issues but the positive of of we can do it all is that I think it's well versed in our generation of motherhood that we try and still fill our own cup that we still try and be our own person as well. And so we there isn't that underlying sense of resentment, I think, to the children for taking from your own sense of self, which I think, yeah, I hear of amongst, from boomer parents. Yeah. And I do think that, as you said, for our generation, there are there's always going to be their own struggles from generation to generation, but we are more aware. And I think it is because of our upbringing. I think it is because we can look at things. And there seems to be this real shift lately with breaking the cycle. And I don't know if it's because we're naming it, because we are saying we can change these things. We don't have to be beholden to a parent who perhaps didn't treat us how they should have done. Or we don't have to follow the blueprint that a parent gave us. And I don't know if it's because we are talking about it more, it's becoming more open, or whether it's just because we've reached that cycle in generations where somebody has to say enough is enough. But there seems to be a real shift in the way that parenting is conducted now. And the way in which we as a generation parent our children versus how we were parented. And I think that's telling. Mm. I'm interested to know from you. And again, speaking of my own thing, is, is there is a scary thing that happens when you become a parent in that whether you like it or not, you are likely to see not always the bits you, yeah, some bits you didn't like about your parents coming through in the way that you are because those voices are so entrenched in your head have you been aware of that for you and and how have you dealt with that massively so if anybody's listening to it who has a really toxic relationship or is estranged from a parent and is thinking god it terrifies me absolutely terrifies me and I speak to people daily who will say it's it's put me off having kids because I'm frightened that I will be my parent I'm frightened that I will repeat the cycle or I have children and I'm constantly terrified and if I hear my mum my mum's voice coming through with the things that I say it makes me feel ill know that that is it's normal it's really normal and sometimes you are going to show up as your parent even when you know that that's the person that damaged you the most, I have and I do. And what the difference is, is it's all in the repair and it's all in sitting with it, as uncomfortable as it is, and saying, okay, I shouted there. And I mean, we all shout, but I really shouted there and I proper lost my temper and I said things that I don't think are very kind and I didn't come across how I wanted to come across. What can I do to help my child understand why I showed up that way, why I reacted that way, what triggered me there? And it's about having an open, honest conversation with your child and saying, hey, look, I'm sorry that I spoke to you like that, or I'm sorry that I did that, whatever that might be. How did that make you feel? Well, it made me feel awful. Okay, I am genuinely sorry that I did that. That was on me. And next time I will step away, take a bit of a breather and come back. You know, I have tweens. (laughs) My eldest is nearly 12. And what helps me is that sometimes he will turn to me and I'm getting really frustrated. And I was shouted at a lot as a child. Hit less. I was hit, but I was shouted at more than I was hit. And shouting is something that I find deeply triggering. But sometimes you just lose temper. That's normal. That's human. We are human. Nobody's asking for perfection here. But what helps me is that he will turn to me sometimes and just say, can you not speak to me like that? Because it's upsetting me. And I know you're upset, but can we just take a minute? And I think, okay, yeah, I've made a difference there because I would never have dared say to my parent, Mm. can we just take a minute? And sometimes you do just need to take a minute. So going back in and having those moments of repair, being accountable and actually attempting to change the behavior. Because if you are behaving in a way that you don't like, that you remember from your own childhood, but then you just keep doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it over and over again, you're not actively changing 
the pattern. You're not actively making a change. And as hard as it is, it's accepting that sometimes you are going to make those mistakes because we all do. We are human beings. And if you're expecting perfection, then that is going completely the opposite direction and just as damaging because you're putting so much pressure on yourself. You're just never going to be able to do it. Um, I'd read somewhere that if you are, as a parent, all that is required in order to create a healthy bond is to be getting it right something like 30 to 40% of the time. It's so few, mm. such a small, I mean, when I read that, I was like, Jesus Christ, mom, <laughs> like, come on, what the hell were you guys doing? Because mm. there was my mum, there was my dad, and there was my stepmom, like three grown adults, what were you doing? And I look at my kids and I think, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. But sometimes if I do show up that way, that's going to be okay because I'm going to be accountable for it and I'm going to repair it. And I'm going to speak to them openly, honestly, listen to how it's made them feel and validate that. There's a lot to be said for a parent that can apologize. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? And it's it's so strange because as you touched on earlier, and look, I'm under no illusion we will have made well, we will be making some mistakes. Of course we will. We're not gonna raise a generation of kids who don't end up in therapy. It's the it's the natural order of things. But it is so strange how generationally they did make some of those quite big mistakes because you do look at your kids and just be like, they are just so precious, aren't they? They are. They are so precious. And I think sometimes it's the fundamental difference between being able to see them and see them Mm. as opposed to being able to see something that you own, your property. Anybody who's lived in an emotionally abusive family setting or any kind of abuse, because emotional abuse is the cornerstone for any kind of abuse. No other abuse exists without the emotional side. And that was a brilliant quote from Helen Villas that I spoke to on my podcast earlier on in the week when I was um, speaking to her and she's a specialist in narcissism. And I'd said about uh, emotional abuse is so often just dismissed because we can't see it. So, well, just be grateful that nobody physically or sexually assaulted you. And yet she'd said, realistically, if we could give emotional abuse the gravitas that it deserves because without that as a psychotherapist who specializes in narcissism who has built a whole career around specializing in that if we could acknowledge that for what it is and we could look at that and say okay emotional abuse is such a huge thing that impacts us so deeply we would all have a much easier time in acknowledging it looking at what it is, how it works, how we don't do it, and moving forward through it and creating more stable and healthy relationships. But we bury it and we don't talk about it. Mm. That use of the word stable, I think, is so important as well, isn't it? It's it, like, like we, we will all lose it at different times. And, and, of course, children press your buttons, but it's trying to have some consistency and have some stability for them, I think, is so crucial. Yeah, it is. And when we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, stability is actually on there because it's such a fundamental part of what we need. It's a huge cornerstone of what children need. And these are basic care needs. But when you have a toxic parent and you have a parent who is not looking at you as another human being, or you have a parent who is not treating you in the way in which children should be treated, that stability is completely off kilter. It's just gone. You have no stability. And what happens stability. is the children yeah. try and create it, don't they? The, 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 they do. Yeah. They do. And then what you have is people who become hyper-independent, who become codependent, who have these trauma responses that are the foundation you you see the joke on TikTok all the time of my whole personality is a trauma response which is all funny and haha my whole personality actually is a trauma response <laughs> like I'm having to rebuild it in my 30s when people joke about it it's because they've got a cracking sense of dark humor because it's the only way to cope with it but your whole personality actually does become a trauma response because you are taught to survive in trauma yeah, from from as you say, in the in the one place where 
you're ultimately yeah should feel safe and cared for yeah codependency I've, I've done a podcast on that it's a really fascinating subject to begin to unpick isn't it and people pleasing and all that we've learned about being kind and looking up looking out for other people but where the boundaries on where that is and your sense of self yeah it's fascinating I've grown up being incredibly codependent being a people pleaser having that fawn response to appease a parent because that was survival mode for me and again I spoke to uh, Katie McKenna who is also a psychotherapist who was talking about how we commonly refer to fight or flight when we talk about being in survival mode but there's fight flight freeze and fawn and what we have when we have children who are raised by narcissistic parents who become an engulfing mother which is what my mother was we have this fawn response which is essentially people pleasing constantly trying to sit in other people's emotional space and be am I okay how can I make this better you're not going to abandon me are you and that that was me and that's been me for an awful lot of my life so working through that and actually showing up for myself one of the first ways in which I did that was by cutting ties with my mum and saying no more another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's interesting. I wonder whether it's often when you become a parent yourself that all this becomes revealed and I think for me a lot of my again healing work that became because <laughs> I then had three humans who I genuinely did have to not have to it was my job to pour my energy into them and look after them and also my partner and then suddenly you're like oh if I do all of this I can't keep masking all the rest of it anymore because these these little people actually deserve that of me and so I need to check in with all the other places I'm hemorrhaging energy to try and yeah go about in the world if you know what I mean yeah I know what you mean completely so for me again the catalyst if you'd have asked me 10 12 years ago what's your relationship like with your mum I'd have said oh she's my best friend we're so close so close and if you'd have said to me "Mm, yeah that that she did to you there was emotional abuse I'd have said no it wasn't no, it wasn't. We were just best friends. <laughs> what do you mean? We just, no, I'm, my mum's amazing. We are best friends. Big red flag. Big red flag. And I would have sworn by that and I would have defended her to the earth because I hadn't, until I had my kids, I hadn't had to sit with and really look at how I was treated as a child and whether or not that was okay and having them it was almost like an instinct immediately of I'm not going to be doing that my children won't be spoken to like that my children won't have that and I had to really start to unpack and look at why do I feel that way and then as I so when I I was a teenager and in my early 20s I'm I mirrored loads of my mum's behavior because I thought that was how to be because I thought she was the world because she was my world and I, and that is really common with engulfing mothers, narcissists who engulf. I had no sense of self, had no sense of personality of who I actually was. It was just a parrot. It was a, a mirror. And I can still do it now. And I'm more aware of it now. But I can still mirror people very easily because that's how I grew up. That's what I grew up doing. And taking on her personality, taking on the things that she believed. So if she said something, I would just believe it, blanket. And it was only when I became a parent, and in fact, actually, when I started getting more involved in social media, and we hear a lot of parents say, oh, social media is destroying my adult child. They've got all these wild ideas. Mm, In some instances, of course, yes, that's happening. But in a lot of instances, what it's doing is widening their social circle, widening their outlook on things because you're no longer in a pure bubble of this is what my family unit believes and I'd start to question things and say "Hmm, actually mum that's a bit racist I don't like that 
or mm, that's homophobic mum don't say that around me I don't like that before that I probably would have said the same before that I probably and, and I look back at that and I, I cringe so much because I probably would have been in those spaces where I'd just parrot what she said because yeah that'd be accurate and it it was wildly opposite to what I actually believe as a person but I felt like I had to believe what she believed because that that made sense she was amazing and I now ask my kids their opinions on things but without holding it over them so if I was asked my opinion and I gave it say for example one of the things that I've always remembered and it's really silly it's such a small thing I remember being asked my opinion on the color of a KitchenAid that my mum wanted to buy and it was like a big thing she'd just done out the kitchen she wanted to buy a KitchenAid and it was her massive purchase that she was really as far as she was concerned very frivolous and she was so excited for it so she wanted to know what color I thought we should get and I'd said oh I like the red one so she bought the red one and then for years and years right and this was when I was about 13 right until just before we estranged she would always say to me if I tried to redecorate or if I chose a different color of things well that doesn't go with the KitchenAid and you picked that it was red you picked that and (laughs) that's just such a small example (laughs) but it was always held over me if I had an opinion it would be held against me at some point it would be weaponized and that that those things I didn't even start to see until I had my own kids. And it was really having my own children that opened my eyes to how horrible my upbringing had been. Not just from my dad, as I'd always believed it. You know, my dad would have been blamed for an awful lot of things. And that's part of alienation. But, and, and deserved in, in a lot of instances, yes. But the accountability would never be on my mum's side as well. And actually, it wasn't good. None of it was. A lot of it was incredibly abusive. And I could never see it. And that's the problem when we're in abusive relationships. Whatever form they might take, you do not see it. And this is why we say, why didn't she just leave? Why didn't he just leave? Why didn't this happen? Why didn't that happen? Because you don't bloody see it. Because you don't want to see it, do you? Because whether it's your partner, your mother anyone you don't want it to be the case because you want to believe that the people that you love care and respect feel the same about you and are treating you the same and then it alters your whole reality if particularly with a parent they don't yeah completely and can you imagine what I mean what would have happened to 11 year old Harriet if she'd have suddenly realized that her mum was emotionally abusive I didn't have anyone else well what was going to do what was going to do about that I was a little girl and I I work very hard to have compassion for that little girl because I still find it quite difficult to do so. And I think that's the problem with growing up with a toxic parent is you are taught for so long and gaslighted into believing that you are the problem and you're not, you never were, but you still hold on to that. Well, I must have been the problem. I must be the problem. And I remember going into therapy and saying to my therapist, what if I'm the narcissist? What if I've got all this wrong? What what if I'm the problem? What if I'm the one? And she'd, she, we've known, I've, I've been with the same therapist having therapy for about 18 months now, I think, um, maybe a little bit less. And she'd said to me after about three months, you know, that question you asked me when you first came, you're not the narcissist, you're not the problem. It's, and and she'd said to me, I knew as soon as you'd said it that you wouldn't be because of the things you were telling me. But I really want to hit home to you that it's not you and it never was you. And it's okay to believe that because that's not the narrative you've been brought up with. It's like being brought up, being told that the sky is pink and then all of a sudden realizing it's blue and you've got to completely reframe your thinking around that. It was never you. Are you able to believe that now? Yeah, mostly. (laughs) Mostly, yeah. I still, uh, like I say, I still struggle sometimes with the compassion. Um, I still struggle sometimes with feeling compassionate and feeling, forgiving myself for not making the changes sooner. 
forgiving myself for not cutting ties with her when I could see how damaging it was to my marriage, cutting ties with her when I could see how damaging it was to my eldest in particular, because she honed in on him the same way she had with me. And I feel like I could have, I feel like I could have saved a lot of heartache across the board had I just done it sooner but I have to realize just how difficult that actually is to do because it's so difficult so difficult I've never felt such fear as I did going into the annex that I built for my mother to tell my mother that I could no longer cope with her abusive behavior and that I needed her to leave it and that I would be setting her up for life in doing so and being told, no, that's not good enough. I want you to suffer. Because that's what it was. I think it's incredibly brave and it's 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 incredibly brave. You know, it, you, you could have made that the narrative for the rest of your life if, if rather than doing this brave thing, couldn't you? You could have been stuck with that reality and implicated your kids in doing so and implicated your marriage. So you did the brave thing, but the brave things are so often there's a really great quote which is it's it's okay to feel sad even if what you're doing is the right thing and there's a lot of that isn't there you you don't want to have to be doing this so it's of course it's going to feel shit yeah absolutely and it is okay to feel sad about it and is it okay to it is okay to grieve it is okay to sit back and think well I know that was the right thing and also with you saying um you could have sat in this for the rest of your life. I think I would have done if it wasn't for the kids. If I wasn't doing it for the kids, if I wasn't doing it for my marriage, 100% I would have sat in it. I would have just, or, or the alternative was to just not be here. And those, that I, I can say hand on heart, I don't think I ever would have done it for me because I've never really been very good at doing things for me and putting me forwards because I've always been taught what can I do to make her happy what can I do to make others happy and that goes back to that people pleasing but I, I I wouldn't have done it for me if people are listening and what your story or versions of your story are ringing bells for people do you think from the research you've done or from your own experience are there steps that can help you with this are there support networks how do people work towards this kind of break in relationships it's really difficult, but I am a massive advocate of therapy. And I think one of the biggest transformations for me has been getting myself into therapy, speaking to a professional and seeking that help to heal me and to work on me. Putting boundaries in place is huge. And then following through on them because a boundary is pointless if you're not going to follow through on it. It really is. And when we talk about boundaries, there's such a misconception surrounding boundaries that that means you're saying to somebody, well, you can't do that. You're not. What you're saying and what I would have said to my mum is if you continue with that behaviour, which is it is what I did, This this is the biggest boundary of them all. If you continue with that behaviour, that's your choice that's on you, but I will not tolerate it and I'll no longer have you in my life. That's the boundary. It's about what I will and will not tolerate. So putting those boundaries into place and saying, okay, look, if I come over and you make comments about my weight, which is a really common one that I hear where people will say, oh, if I go and visit my mum, she just absolutely attacks me verbally constantly. It'd be comments about my weight, comments about my job, comments about what I've done. If that's your situation as an example, then saying I'm not going to have that I'm not going to tolerate that if you speak to me in that manner that's going to be on you but I will get up and leave it's not saying I'm it's not spitting your dummy out it's not saying I'm throwing my toys out the pram I'm not going to come and visit you anymore it is saying you've got options you cannot bring up this topic you cannot speak to me like that in which case we're going to be fine but if you do then I will leave because I'm not going to put up with that and that hurts me. It's really difficult and it simplifies it, I think, to just sort of say, get into therapy, set those boundaries. But they are things that you can do and everyone can set boundaries to some degree. I think quite often, especially if you are a parent, so many of us rely on our parents for childcare 
and where you can avoid relying on a toxic parent, where you can avoid having that held over your head is a huge plus um, and is incredibly important if you're dealing with a narcissistic or a toxic parent who will weaponize that against you. So finding a way to not have that situation anymore, if it is at all possible, is huge. Getting into therapy, setting those boundaries and accepting that sometimes, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you want the situation to change, you can't change someone else. You can only change the way that you react to it and what you will allow them to do to you. I think that's such a huge bit of understanding isn't it because I in no way um blame you or anyone else or any of us who found ourselves in difficult relationships but there is an element of, of allowing ourselves to keep opting into it and you have to also take responsibility in the end for whether you allow that or not yeah as adults and again I'm not speaking about children I am speaking about once you become an adult but as adults the only people that we are responsible for or the only emotional responses that we are responsible for are our own you can't control what someone else is doing you I can't control the way that my mother behaves towards me but I can control whether or not I allow that I can control whether or not I respond in a way that I don't like because that happened you know, I would respond in a way that I don't like, and I don't want that for me. I don't want that 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 nasty side of me because I'm being reactive. I don't want that. I deserve better than that. And actually acknowledging and saying, you know what, I, I deserve this freedom. I deserve better than that. I'm not going to tolerate that. And stepping away from it and accepting that we can't change it sometimes because it is difficult but accepting that we can't change it. And what always strikes me as really funny is we have these conversations, especially around abuse and uh, toxic behavior towards people. And if we were talking about a spouse to a spouse, or we were talking about friend to a friend, we're quite open and honest with it and quite happy to accept, yeah, this is what should be done. This is how we do it. But then people and if somebody is listening and has chosen to become no contact, then they will scream I'm sure as they hear but it's your mother Mm, it just drives you bonkers but you hear it so oh but it's your mum oh but it's your dad and that's almost used as a a wipe free a white a get out of jail free card wipe the slate oh well we accept it because it's your parent and that's just not going to happen yeah it's so true it doesn't give you yeah it doesn't yeah it doesn't give them carte blanche to treat you yeah however you are just because they made you they don't own you they don't own you um I really feel that all the work that you're doing and conversations like this are absolutely huge because they will I can only imagine how lonely it felt as you begun to well lonely for the parts of your childhood even more lonely when you your eyes were open to it and lonely on the other side because we all have these perceived ideas of family units and relationships and as you have rightly touched on we we can look at people who are best friends with their parents that is not actually a healthy place to be either but we always think everyone else is having a nicer time of it and it's just really (laughs) important to go back to that stat that one in five families or one, one in five people will be like living with a relationship like that and that is really difficult It is. And it's huge. And it's knowing that it's okay, despite the stigma that might surround it to protect yourself from anyone, including the people that are supposed to love you the most. It's okay to protect yourself from them. It's okay to put yourself first. Um, As far as support and things out there for people who who are estranged, I'm finding the best support and the most support on social media with be it groups that are, I believe there's a few Facebook groups. I'm not a part of any of those, but I have heard of them um, and that they've been quite supportive. But just finding the community on things like TikTok, Instagram, there is real healing in community. And that's why I wanted to set up on following mum. Because we are, I think as human beings, we are, like you say, we're quite self-centered in that if we don't, we don't realize that just because we can't see it, doesn't mean that other people are not also experiencing it. And when you have a topic like estrangement and like toxic parents, 
and it threatens people for it to be discussed about. So it becomes so stigmatized. It becomes so taboo. It's so easy to forget that there are those one in five going through it. There are so many people who have problematic, dysfunctional family relationships. And we've all got a bit of dysfunction going on. We've all got a bit of it. But that healthy dysfunction is very different to that toxic dysfunction that can literally destroy lives. Yeah. And to yeah, to know that there isn't there is an alternative and I guess I'm sure there must be something in having the guts to even voice it. At the beginning, I, you know, I touched on that thing. It must be quite hard the, the first time you have to actually say, oh, no, I'm estranged from my mum. Like, it's quite a powerful bit of language, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it's quite difficult because there will still be the occasional time I'll bump into somebody, oh, how's your mum? And I, I've got better at it now. I remember the first time I'd gone to get a takeaway and we, we have a, we live in a very small town, so there's, it's limited choice. And mum had just, um, we'd just managed to get her to move out of the annex. And I, I remember going into the takeaway and the woman behind the counter used to come across my mum at work. So she sort of knew her, wasn't a good friend, wasn't a particularly close relationship or anything. They just knew each other casually. And she'd said, oh, hi, how are you? How's your mum? And I said, oh, I don't know, actually. I haven't spoken to her for a while. I hope she's really well, thinking that that would be the end of it. She went, what do you mean? And I said, well, I... (laughs) Hmm. And you know, you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not really sure what else I can mean, love. Like, <laughs> I, I haven't spoken to her, please don't dig. Um, and she said, well, what do you mean? I said, oh, well, we're, we're not, you know, we don't have the best relationship, actually. So I haven't spoken to her a while, for a while. And uh, but I, I, I wish her well. I haven't spoken to her and I, I don't really have any intention of doing so. But I wish her well. Um, and she said to me, oh, no. Oh, that's awful. That's so terrible. I'm so sorry to... I mean, but it's nearly Christmas. Can you not just extend the olive branch? (laughs) And I just sort of looked and I went, "Uh, no, actually, no, I can't. I can't just extend the olive branch. Um, No. And that was it. And I just... And, you you know, you'll occasionally get somebody who you know, perhaps used to know mum, who maybe she worked with, who will scowl at me in the supermarket and I'll think, oh, I think you know mum. But (laughs) there's not really much you can do about it. But that first time, and I'd gone back the week after and she'd asked again. And in the end, I had to say to her, can you not ask me every time I come to pick up my food, whether or not I've spoken to my mum, because it's not going to be a different answer next week. And I, I don't, you know, I don't mean to be rude, but equally, yeah, no, <laughs> because you wouldn't do it if it was any other kind of relationship. But when it's a family relationship, it's like, can you imagine if you turned around and somebody said, no, actually, I, I'm I'm not, I'm not speaking to my abusive ex because she did X, Y, Z. And I, I just, I, we've, we've broken up or we've cut ties and that you walked in and they went, can you not extend the olive branch? Have you not spoken to them? And you, it sounds ludicrous. It sounds ridiculous. But that's essentially what you're saying to somebody who's chosen to cut ties with a toxic parent. Can you, as the victim, not extend the olive branch and just get on with it? And no, no, we can't. A really good takeaway, I think, is also for us all to be aware of how we do talk to others about it and, and check we aren't that person kind of pushed relationships that aren't working or aren't spotting the fact that people we know might be trying to break up from toxic relationships absolutely and I think you know it's so easy I know I've done it I've turned around to somebody and said oh but it's your mum especially when I was much much younger and it's just being aware that yeah okay we don't need to question why someone may feel that their relationship with a parent or why they feel that they're safer without a relationship with a parent or with a sibling or whoever it might be, because those choices are just as valid as if it was any other relationship. Absolutely nobody has a right to have access to you. Nobody has a right to be in your life if they can't treat you right. And as 
as friends or acquaintances looking from the outside, not passing comment on that can be just so powerful and just saying, I'm sorry to hear that. And that's it. That's that. That's all that's needed. Sorry to hear that. That's a real shame. It might sound really flippant, but I can honestly say it would be 10 times better than hearing, oh, but it's your mum or, oh, can you not do this? Can you not do that? Because absolutely i'm sure most people have tried in some way shape or form to repair that relationship or to not get to the point of estrangement and just i can't express to you how crippling it is to constantly be met with nothing when you are trying it's different to work in toxic relationships if the other party is willing to work with you. And again, we see that in all types of relationships where there have been breakdowns and there have been huge problems, but both parties are willing to make amends, willing to make a difference. You only have to speak to a marriage counsellor. Happens all the time. However, it has to be both people. It has to come from both. And when you're in a situation with a toxic parent and it's just not coming, the last thing you want to hear as somebody who has been subject to emotional abuse throughout all of your life and has finally found the courage to cut ties with that person is more guilt and more shame because you'll be piling it on yourself anyway. That's it, isn't it? That's the crucial thing. We, none of us need outside input for something that we're struggling with so badly. And I think you've just touched on something as we get to the end, something really important estrangement is the last resort yeah you can have difficult relationships everybody ideally would repair them or find a way of making them work estrangement is is the desperate thing at the end of it it's the equivalent of the divorce and you don't want to get to that point and if you have it's probably for extremely good reason Absolutely. I've never spoken to anybody who's cut off a toxic parent without good reason. And there's often this misconception that it's just spitting your dummy out because you didn't get your own way, or it's choosing not to have a parent in your life to punish that parent. I've never met anybody. I've never, ever spoken in the last like year or so that I have been more open about my estrangement across social media and spoken to thousands of people about estrangement and about toxic family dynamics. I have never, ever spoken to one who has not felt 100% justified in getting to the position that they're in and hasn't had their own, in their view, good reasons for cutting off that family member because it's really hard and it is like you say a last resort it is estrangement itself means the complete loss or breakdown of a relationship and that's what it is it is the complete loss and breakdown of that relationship and it's tough it's tough I think well to kind of draw to an end I think you're doing great work I've as you say you're kind of quite new relatively new on the journey of talking about this which I think is makes for a great time to people for people to come and find what you're doing because you're working through it and it feels like yeah it would be a good thing for people to to come on that journey with you can you tell people where to find you about your podcast and um your all your social medias actually Absolutely, I can. So for a lot of my social medias, I hang out at um, at Toby and Rue, which is my kids' names. Um, I hang out around there. So that's on Instagram and TikTok. And then I have my podcast, which is Unfollowing Mum. And that might sound like a bit of an odd name, but in this digital age, it's never been harder to be estranged. And I think there's some value in acknowledging that and in talking about that and looking at estrangement in a digital age when flying monkeys can get in touch with you so much easier. And it's a whole different ball game. It's not just, mum, I'm not coming over on Sunday anymore. Now it's blocking. It's stopping people from passing on information to them and all that kind of thing. So that's all discussed on my podcast, which is Unfollowing Mum. And then that also has its own social medias as well. But I am at Toby and Rue on most things. And then one last, another whopper question. If you could have an honest conversation with one person, who would it be and what would you say? Ooh, if I honestly, I think I've said everything that I could ever need to say to my mum, but there is a lot that I would have liked to have said to my dad. So if I could have had an honest conversation with my dad, 
I would love to do that. It's not an option available to me because he's dead. But if I could, I would love to have been able not just to have an honest conversation with him and understand his viewpoint, find out what was coloured so deeply by my mum that caused us to have a, a breakdown in a relationship, but also hold him accountable for the things that I remember of him and challenge his behaviours and find out whether or not he would have been willing to make amends for those behaviours and indeed whether or not I would have been willing to accept that and move forwards with him. Um, which I'm not sure but if I could I think that I would love to be able to speak to my dad probably should have gone with a celebrity to be honest Clemmy that was probably a bit deeper than you wanted <laughs> ah, well that was a moving conversation I, I really can feel the pain that Harriet has gone through and the bit that's really stayed with me is, is those small moments. So two that come to mind is what she mentioned about the KitchenAid and the, the colour ending up being something that, she, that was held over her head. And then also when she went into that pick up a takeaway and that woman mentioning things. And that so often feels like the middle of these really big issues, something like toxic relationships it's tiny tiny what's the expression it's death by a thousand paper cuts and that's what's really hard and when you try and talk that out loud they might seem like minor things but over time they really do add up to something so painful and I, I meant what I said when I when I said that I think it's really brave that Harriet is a trying to break the cycle for her family and be talking about something so personal and so difficult so really do go and follow her and um yeah send love and strength to anyone who feels that today's episode rung some bells for them and that's that that's another episode of but why thank you so much for listening wishing you a lovely day and catch you next time bye bye